Good morning, everyone. Special welcome to our Good Friday service. Uh, yesterday, when I was uh, listening to the radio while I was driving, uh, the weather man said, it's not going to be a Good Friday because of all the rain. I wanted to shout out, Good Friday has nothing to do with the weather. It has everything to do with the love of Jesus Christ that we're contemplating and thinking about, even celebrating today. Uh, this service is going to be quite different in structure to our uh, normal Sunday services. Uh, we are going to spend some time just hearing the scriptures read as they tell us of Jesus' arrest, trial, crucifixion, and death. Those readings will be interspersed with some songs. Um, they may not be all that familiar uh, to some of you or maybe even all of you. We hope that you will yet think about the words of the songs, listen or sing along as you are able, but use them as you reflect on this great love of God and the story of the scripture that it tells us. Uh, and then later I will be giving a, a, a message about the meaning of the cross, and then we'll have the opportunity to celebrate communion, these beautiful symbols that the Lord gave us that get again to the core of the Christian message about the love of Jesus Christ revealed in the cross. So we welcome you to our service this day. We want to help you just kind of prepare to hear uh, these words of scripture. So in just a moment, I'm going to in in invite you to stand, and, and we're just going to have a, a few moments of silent reflection. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. We invite you to then remain standing for the first song, uh, after which our children, children only, uh, will be invited to leave uh, for their program. So would you stand with me if you are able? And just quiet your hearts before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here this day to reflect, to contemplate, to enter in to the story of your great love. Help us to hear, help us to respond, help us to celebrate this love. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. When they 
Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my chapter 14, verses 43 to 50. Just as Jesus was speaking, 
Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing nearby drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. of Mark, chapter 15, verses 1 to 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you gonna answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. 
Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. book of Mark, chapter 15, verses 16 through 32. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the governor's house, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. 
They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, you became nothing, poured out to death many times. I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once once again and once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside once again I thank you once again I pour out my Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, you became nothing, poured out to death many times. I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. once again once again I look upon the cross where you died humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside once again I thank you once again I pour out my life once again Again, I thank you. One. 
Once again I pour out my life. The book of Mark, chapter 15, verses 33 to 39. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma zabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, he said. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Today we've only heard some of the biblical record of Jesus' arrest and trial, crucifixion, death. If you're like me, these are not easy words to hear. And it's not meant to be easy to hear. The scriptures take their time to tell of this scandalous betrayal, this miscarriage of justice, these brutal, humiliating agonizing acts, the excruciating suffering of Jesus. Why? Because the cross of Jesus, which is simply a short form to refer to all of Jesus' suffering and death for us, is at the very heart of Christianity. Without the cross, there is no Christianity. But again, why? What is this about? Why is this so important for you and me? What's going on here? Well, the Bible has many, many passages that teach on this. And over the centuries, many books have been written about this. But today, I want to at least begin to explore one of the central aspects of it. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father God, thank you for what we have heard again brought to our minds and even our imaginations of your great love, of your great sacrifice 
of the extent that Jesus went for me, for all of us here. Help us to, for those of us who know you, be reminded to be taken deeper. For those of us who may be distant from you or simply on the journey, help us by your spirit to understand. Just take some of the magnitude of this in. We pray this through your son's name and for his glory. Amen. Have you ever heard of the game Bigger or Better? <laughs> bigger or Better? I've actually never played this game myself. It, it, it's a fairly common game for youth. Maybe uh, Johnny has done this with the youth here. Maybe it's an idea for him in the coming days. I believe a, a couple of years ago, there was actually a, a sitcom based on this whole idea of bigger or better. Uh, the whole idea is to begin with something very little, like a, an egg or a pencil, and, and then work at trading up, exchanging for something bigger or better. And looking this up on the internet, I, I discovered that actually a, a Canadian blogger by the name of Kyle McDonald, he just wanted to see how far he could go with this. And he started with a, a red paper clip. And only 14 trades. And one year later, with, of course, the help of the Internet, he ended up with a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. <laughs> no exchange of money, just trading up, exchanging for bigger and better. You can actually check it out on the internet if you want to, but not right now. <laughs> uh, Good Friday is about an exchange, a trade. But in this trade, while again, no money exchanges hands there was a big price paid for the bigger and better, for the betterment of others, for you and for me. And in this exchange, you see, Jesus traded down, but we traded up. Good Friday is called good because of the good that comes to us. We come out the better when we participate in this trade, this exchange. Today, I simply want to consider with you three aspects of this exchange that are described in the scriptures. And I'll be citing a, a variety of verses rather than just looking at one passage that describe these amazing truths. The first, what I call the life to death and death-to-life exchange. You see, the astonishing, astounding proclamation of the Scriptures is that Jesus actually came to die. 
to give his life, to make a huge exchange. Jesus starts out with life, fully alive from eternity and comes and embraces death. First John 3.14 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, why? Why did Jesus willingly go to the cross? Why did he pay the price? Well, the answer is clear. So that we could live. So we could live. John 10.10 says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to know and receive his life. Another passage, Ephesians 2 Three to five says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when it, we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is not, of course, speaking of physical death, but spiritual death, dead, lost in our transgressions. You see, our sinfulness results in spiritual death. And the message of the scriptures is we cannot save ourselves. This is the, the great problem Jesus came to address. That's why he came. It's why he died. Romans 6, using this powerful imagery of baptism, describes this death life exchange and transformation. Romans 6.3, don't you know that all of us were baptized in, who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is a, is a symbol, a beautiful symbol of death and life. I, I'll never forget my baptism. I was 21 at the time, and I still remember going under the water. It's a symbol of death, rising again, symbol of new life. If you've never been baptized as a follower of Christ, it's a wonderful thing to do. Now, with this picture of baptism, the Apostle Paul, of course, puts together not only Christ's death, but resurrection. But the point is very clear. Christ's death made the way to life. When we embrace Christ, when we are baptized, that is, when we surrender our lives to him, we Died to that way of life so that we can embrace the new life Christ brings us. What an exchange. For Jesus from life to death, for us from death to life. A second aspect of the exchange that the scriptures describe is the connection to separation and the 
separation to connection exchange. You see, Jesus went from connection to separation that we might go from separation to connection. John 16, 28 records Jesus' statement to his disciples shortly before his crucifixion. I came from the Father, entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world, going back to the Father. For Jesus, the first stage of his coming to earth meant at some level a leaving. An old gospel song puts it this way. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to lay down his life for me. In a wonderful passage in the book of Philippians chapter 2, understood as an early hymn to Christ, it begins this way, who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing. This is a mystery I, I don't think we can fully comprehend. The scriptures teach that Jesus did not lose his divinity. He remained fully divine, but he relinquished in his coming to earth for a time his godness for the sake of the mission. Scripture describes it simply in this way. He made himself nothing. Extraordinary. He, he became an embryo in Mary's womb completely vulnerable, experiencing all the weakness and frailty of being human. Philippians 2 describes this downward descent of Jesus so that he could fulfill the Father's will and pay the price. And I'm simply describing that as an exchange from connection with the Father to separation. But there's another step in this separation. For I believe the climax of this separation is revealed on the cross itself. And Jesus' cry that we heard from the cross just earlier. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, as Jesus takes on the sins of the world, that eternal connection with the Father from eternity is broken. And as one writer says, the Father turns his face away. And why? So that those who are separated from God could get connected. What the Bible refers to as reconciliation. Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. 
Colossians 1.21, once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. While the cross meant separation for Christ, for us, it means reconciliation. Like that wonderful picture of the prodigal son being embraced by the waiting father, we are welcomed back to the family of God. The longing of every heart is to know this embrace, this connection that we belong. What an exchange for us from death to life, from separation to connection. The third aspect of this exchange that is described in the scriptures is from holiness to sin, to sinful to holy. The pure, sinless Son of God takes on sin so that we, the sinful, can be made holy. The prophet Isaiah predicted it. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or sinfulness of us all. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What an amazing statement. What an exchange. Jesus, the, the sin bearer, he took our sins with him to the cross. He died not for his sins, but for ours. The glorious truth that we must seek to grasp is that the cross was an eternal moment. A, a moment that for Christ was an eternity when all our sins, past and future, were laid on him. The burden that only the sinless Son of God could bear. 1 John 2, 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And so the cross is the payment of the price so that we could be forgiven, cleansed, purified, made right before our God. Hebrews 10.10, and by that will, the will of the Father, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
We are made holy through Christ. What a glorious, amazing gift. What an exchange. Does it mean that we never sin again? Rather, it means that those sins do not define us any longer if we truly belong to him. In Christ, we are no longer sinners at our core. We are his forgiven, redeemed, cleansed children. And our task becomes living out that new identity putting old ways behind, living the life he's given us. So do you understand why Good Friday is called good? Because Jesus gave up his life so that we could exchange death for life. Jesus left his heavenly glory and connection with the Father so that we could be connected, reconciled. And because Jesus took upon himself all our sin so that we could be free from sin, made holy in God's sight. Now clearly, exchanging a red paper clip Ending up with a house is a pretty incredible exchange. But what we celebrate today is even a better, much better story than that. For this is true love. This is grace. There is no other love like this. And this is the love we honor and celebrate today. But each of us, each of us in our own hearts and not minds have to participate in the exchange. It's not enough to just Acknowledge it as facts of history that Jesus died and rose again. There has to be a participation, an act of surrendering to this, of, of repenting of our sins, of accepting this grace that Jesus provides. It, it's in our hearts and minds saying yes to what God has done for us in Christ. And today... If you've never said yes to this offer for you, don't let this day go by without trusting in him. Now, as an expression of our faith and response to what Christ has done for us, we're going to celebrate communion together. But we're going to do it in a slightly different way than what we often do here. And that is I'm going to invite everyone to come to the front and receive 
communion as you are able. And as we celebrate communion by coming to the front, what I want you to be thinking about and reflecting on in your own mind and heart is a symbolic act of coming to the cross. To use this as an expression of your own faith, of belief in what Christ has done for you and your desire to receive it. And so I'm just going to pray and then we're going to watch a, a brief video clip that will lead us into communion. And then I'll just say a few more words about how this is going to take place. So let's pray. Father, only by your spirit can we really grasp the significance of this. But I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to take it in, to receive this great love, to celebrate it, to give humble thanks for it, to know that on the cross, it is finished. The work was done, the exchange complete. And our response is to believe it, to accept it, to receive it. Father, I thank you for this amazing grace, this amazing love. And help us in this next part of our service to continue to reflect on it, to receive it even deeper as we think of your broken body and shed blood symbolized in the bread and the juice. We thank you for these symbols. We thank you for the service of remembrance and communion that you ordained that throughout the history of the church, followers of Christ have received and participated in. And we thank you that we can do so today also. And we pray that you would refresh our souls and renew us in you. For in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.